Go to John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3. We've been studying uh, last uh, couple, three times here on uh, the new birth and what the Scripture teaches us concerning this new birth. And of course this is uh, first found, first mention of a new birth is uh, found here in John chapter 3. As John gives us the record of this, the meeting of, of the Lord with Nicodemus, Nicodemus being one of the leaders of the Jews, uh, coming to the Lord trying to figure out what was going on, who he was, uh, and, and Nicodemus makes a point. Now Nicodemus, he, he's, he's using flattering speech here. But I don't think by any means was Nicodemus lying when he said the things he said. I believe Nicodemus truly believed that the Lord was from God. He just couldn't figure it out, couldn't put it all together about who he was. He had that understanding that if he's working these miracles and doing these things, he must be from God. But how it all fit together, whether or not he was the Messiah or not, Nicodemus didn't have that all figured out. He didn't have all that that worked through yet. Now, he, the Lord would do that for him as time goes on, and, and Nicodemus would become a believer in the Lord. But this, at this point, he's, he's just coming with what information he knew and bringing it before the Lord. And the Lord declares to him his need, and that is the need to be born again. And uh, we, we've read over this passage the last uh, couple times as we've studied these things, uh, this interaction here between Nicodemus and the Lord. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Uh, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now that's very interesting there, first of all. But this was the, this is the perspective that Nicodemus was coming from. That was the perspective that others of the Jews were coming from at this point early on in the Lord's ministry. That, that was that, well, he must be from God because he's working these miracles and nobody's going to be able to work these miracles except he's from God. And it's remarkable how quickly the Jews changed their attitude and their opinion. Because it wasn't long after this that they're accusing him of being from the devil. And that he is, he is doing the work of the devil. That the miracles he was performing was by the power even of the devil they were trying to claim. But it, uh, initially this is, this is their perspective. This is their understanding. And this was the understanding Nicodemus had. Again, I, I don't believe Nicodemus was lying just for flattery's sake. I think, I think Nicodemus, this is what he truly meant. Now he was using flattering speech here. But I believe this is truly what he believed. He didn't understand it all, but it's what he believed about the Lord. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, 
Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, and his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. And so... Hear this interaction between the Lord and Nicodemus as he declares to him the need of the new birth. And we've talked about uh, the fact that this new birth is, is something that is instantaneous. It is supernatural. It is the work of God. It is what He has performed in us. We talked about what it isn't and what it is. Talked about the nature of the new birth, the fact of its necessity. Jesus made that very clear here in the necessity of the new birth, that without the new birth, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You have to be born again or you cannot see the kingdom of God. And on Wednesday, we began looking at some evidences of the new birth. And looked at some of these things. I hoped that I would get through all of them Wednesday, but I did not. And so we'll try to finish them up today, some of these evidences. There are more than what I'm giving you here, but these were the, just some lined out here that are, uh, in general, easy for us to see. First, there's the genuine trust in Christ alone for salvation. And we talked about that on Wednesday. That this is part of what's work. This is part of a proof or, or is the proof of the fact that salvation is in us, is our trust in Christ Jesus alone. That we're not trusting other things or trusting someone else, but we are trusting Christ Jesus. That His work that He performed for us, for us, is that which accomplished for us that salvation. And so we are trusting only in Him. Secondly, we talked about the witness and the indwelling of the Spirit of God and what that brings in us, His leadership in our lives and how He does that. Uh, conviction is one way uh, in the chastening and conviction of the Lord on us. He does that through the Spirit of God and that is a witness to us. His leadership to us as He directs us by the Word, as He reveals the Word to us. He works in us to, to show us 
that we are indeed the children of God, that we indeed belong to Him. And that's, that's one of those evidences that He has worked in us. We also find in, in the working of the Spirit there is the fruit that is produced in us. And we talked a little bit about that on Wednesday there from uh, Galatians chapter 5 as Paul talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit. Those are those fruits that are produced in us by the working of the Spirit in us. That's proof in us that we indeed belong to Christ is that working of the Spirit of God through us. Another uh, evidence we looked at on Wednesday is the readiness of the child of God to accept the Word of God. One of the evidences of the new birth is that the child of God may not fully understand, may not know all of what's written in there, but all right, that's what the Word of God says, that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to go with. There's, there is a readiness, there is a desire to do what God says in His Word. And it's a readiness to accept that, even though, again, we may not fully understand it. It's what God says, so that's what I'm going to do. Uh, and so this, there's that readiness there to accept God's Word. And then the last thing we looked at on Wednesday is the consciousness of our sin. And what Paul tells us there in Romans chapter 7 uh, in regards to uh, the problem of the flesh and the problem of sin in us, uh, what John tells us in 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 8, that, that if we will confess our sins to our Lord, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that is something we need constantly. We need that constant cleansing uh, because it doesn't affect the new birth. We're still born again in Christ Jesus, but sin that is in our life hurts our fellowship with the Lord. It hurts our place before Him and how we are interacting with Him. It's not He that moves, it's us that has moved because of our sin. And that we need that daily cleansing to restore us to that right fellowship with the Lord. And so that's the reason it's, it's, it's uh, a daily exercise for us as the children of God to confess our sin before the Lord. And even when we don't know what those sins are, <laughs> Lord, you know my sin. Forgive me, cleanse me of those sins that's in me. Uh, make, make it known to me, Lord. David said, renew a right spirit within me. Restore unto me, David said, the joy of my salvation. We need that cleansing because sin hurts that relationship between the child of God and God. We need that restoration. Doesn't take our salvation, don't take that new birth away, but it hurts that place, it hurts that relationship, that, that fellowship with Him. And so we, there is that consciousness of our sin that comes by the new birth. As, as uh, it's been said, well, uh, I believe like you do about grace, I'd sin all I want to. And uh, as one preacher said, I believe it may have been John MacArthur, I'm not sure, he said, but one thing you find out is you sin way more than you want to. And that's, that's the fact. Uh, that it changes who we are as far as that nature in us. We are given a new nature, and with that new nature, then the new birth, there is a hatred for our sin. Not only a consciousness of it, but a hatred for it that it is in us. And so this, this is part of these evidences uh, that God gives us in uh, that new birth. 
The next one we'll look at this afternoon is the love of God. The evidence is the love of God and the love of His righteousness that is put in us by the new birth. Go over to John chapter 8. John chapter number 8 and verse number 42. John chapter 8 and verse number 42. Now, this, of course, is uh, the Jews. As I said, it wouldn't take them very long. They would be they would go from the flattery of Nicodemus there in John chapter three to the accusations of the Lord and who He comes from and what He was what by what power He was doing the things He was doing. And here they are confronting Him here uh, with these very issues. Uh, and of course they were claiming they, they were above and beyond everybody else. We're of Abraham's seed. Uh, we were never in bondage, they said. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? And the Lord explains to them they're, they are bound in their own sin, uh, bound in the, the iniquity of the flesh there. And He says to them there in verse 42, Jesus said unto them, If God were your Father, you would love Me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of Myself, but He sent Me. So if you were of God, you would love Me. If if you knew Him, if you were a part of Him, then you would love Me because I came from God, He said. Uh, In Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 7 and verse number 22. Paul says here concerning uh, this change now, because this is after he's described the problem with the sin, or as he's talking about that old nature still being present with us. He says there in verse number 22 of chapter 7, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. That new nature, that that new man that is put in him in salvation, that which is born in us in the new birth, Paul says in that I delight in the law of God. And we we read through the Psalms as David speaks about that. Oh, how I love thy law, David says. He loved the law of God. How he loved to see the holiness of God in his law. There is a love for God and there is a love for His righteousness and His holiness as the children of God. And the closer you draw to God, the more you grow in grace and knowledge of Him, the more beautiful His righteousness and His holiness is. It is an astounding thing when we are looking at His holiness, when we are looking at His righteousness, and you you feel it in you, that love for God, the devotion toward Him, recognizing and seeing His holiness and His righteousness. It is indeed, for the child of God, it is indeed a beautiful thing to see the holiness and the, and the righteousness of God. We have a, a love for that as the children of God. It is, it is a part of that new man that is put in us. And that's one of those evidences of our salvation. 
John writes in 1 John chapter number 4. 1 John chapter 4. And we see there in verse number 16 down through verse number 19. 1 John 4 verse 16 through verse number 19. John writes here, he says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. So as God is holy, as God is just, we are made so in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are also made holy and just. And so we can have boldness, He says, in the day of judgment. We can have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, so are we. In, even in this world, being present here, we still have that holiness and righteousness of God on us in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we have a boldness then, even at the day of judgment, uh, even in our flesh, there is a boldness that we have because of who we are in Christ. And so he goes on to say, verse 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love Him because He first loved us. We love Him because He first loved us. And so there is that proof or evidence of the new birth in the child of God because of their love for their Father, love for God and what He has done for them and who He is even, and a love for His righteousness, a love for His holiness, to see the beauty, as David would call it, the beauty of His holiness. We see that that is one of those realities, one of those evidences of our salvation in Christ Jesus. Another that we find is the progressive purification that God is working in us. That's another evidence that we have of new birth. That the longer we live in Him, the longer we, we grow in Him and get to know Him, we see Him cleaning us up. We see Him making us more and more like Christ Jesus. Now, we recognize, as Paul talks about there in Romans chapter 7, that as long as we're in this flesh, we're never going to get there. We're never going to get there. But the longer we are in Him, the longer we are growing in Him, the more that we are learning of Him, the more that we are seeking Him in our lives, the more like Christ we're going to be, especially before this world, especially as they look at us, because He is constantly cleaning us First uh, John chapter three and verse number three. Well, let me go back and read verse two as well. Eh, we'll read verse one. Go back to verse number one. Don't want to skip these two verses. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. 
Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. So he says in verse number 2 here that, that we are, we know, beloved, now are we the sons of God and it, it's not full in us yet, he says. It does not yet appear what we shall be. We're not, we don't, we're not in our glorified state as of right now. And so we're still, we're still growing in that. But we know that, he says, when he shall appear. We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. If we're going to see Him as He is and see Him in the fullness of His glory, then we're going to have to be changed to be in His presence in the fullness of His glory because no man can look upon God and live. And so to see Him as He is, there has to be a change in us. So we're either going to come out of the grave and see Him as He is or He's going to change us in the, in the sky that we'll be made into the glorified bodies that He has given us so there's a death to this. There's a death to the flesh there to be able to see Him as He is. And when we see Him as He is, that's because we've been made like Him. We've been made like Him. We've received, as Paul would say there in 1 Corinthians 15, an incorruptible body, an immortal body. This mortal, he says, shall put on immortality. This corruptible shall have, shall have put on incorruption, he said. There's going to be a change in us, a complete change in us, that we're not going to be like we are now in the flesh. But, he goes on to say, verse number 3, And every man that hath this hope, everyone that hath that hope that we're going to be made like Christ Jesus, that we're going to be, we're going to be made in His image, as is promised in Romans chapter 8, verse number 29, to know that we're going to be made like Him, to know that we're going to receive that glorified body, to every man that hath this hope in Him, purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And so the, there's a process going on in us. The process of sanctification. That we are being, we're being cleaned up. We're being set apart as the children of God to be made more and more like Christ Jesus the longer we live in this old world. The longer we live as the children of God, we're being cleaned up, being made more like Christ. And so that, that progress of purification in us is a, an evidence for us that we are indeed the children of God. We can look back and see, you know, I'm, I'm not where I'm supposed to be yet, but I'm a whole lot better than I was before, you know. We can see how far He's brought us. We can see His blessings in us. We can see as we've grown in Him. And it's not just the things that we know, but rather the things of, 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 of how we've grown in purity and desire to be made pure before Him. How, we, how we've grown in our attitude toward sin and sin in us. And we, so there's a, a, a growth in us that should be seen so that everyone that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself even as He is pure. So there is that progressive purification being worked in us as we go through this life. 
Um, the next thing we see is the love for other believers. Love for other believers. First John chapter 3. He tells us here, 1 John chapter 3, verse number 14. We know, we know, he says, that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother, his brother rather, abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. For whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? And so he tells us here that one of the evidences of the new birth in us is our love one for another. Our love for the brethren. It's the command that the Lord gives us. He said, a new commandment give I unto thee, that ye love one another. And he says that, that commandment, he says that he's given us of loving one another, he says it is a sign, it's an evidence to the world that we belong to Christ Jesus. So it's, that's what the world sees and knows, oh, they, they're who they say they are. They love one another. But it's also an evidence to us that if we love one another, not just the command of it, but if we do love one another, we understand He's commanded this to. But there's, there's quite a big jump between a command to love and actually love it, right? And so if, if we actually love one another... If we have that love one for another, we have a love for the brethren, those that, that, that are, are in the family of God. If we have a love for each other, then that's proof to us that we are indeed the children of God. That there's going to be, if, if we are born again, if we are the children of God, that love's going to be in us. And so he, he says to us here that, that that should be found in us. We know, he says, verse 14 again, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Chapter 5, he says in verse number 2, he says, by this, by this we know, by this we know, that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. He says in verse 1 of the same passage, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth Him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. So, if we if we we say that we believe that Jesus is the Christ, if we say that we that Jesus is the Christ, then we are born of God. And if we're born of God, then we're going to not only love Jesus because he has begotten us to himself, but we're going to love everybody he's begotten as well. 
That's what He's called us to. We're going to have that love. We're going to have that love for the brethren. Now, I understand not everybody's as easy to love as everybody else. I get that. The Lord knows that. He knows that. He knows you too. That's all right. That's all right. We, we're to have that love nonetheless. We're to strive for that love for our brethren. It should be a desire in us to love one another. This is, this is how the world knows that we belong to Christ, but it's also how we know we belong to Christ. Is the love that we have for the brethren. Our desire for God's best for them. Our desire for God's working in them. Our desire for God's blessings on their life. There's that love. We are to love one another. That is proof, again, that we are the children of God. The last one I have for you, as an evidence of our of our new birth, is the patient continuance to the end. A patient continuance to the end. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter number 10, verse number 22. Matthew chapter 10, verse number 22. And we have a promise. We studied as we were studying through grace and what grace is. We have a promise from God that He will keep us unto the end, that He will preserve us. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's the promise that He has given us. That He would never leave us nor forsake us, He says. That we are in the Father's hands and no man can pluck us from the Father's hand. No man can pluck us from the Son's hand. And He says in verse 30 there of John 10, I and my Father are one. There is nobody that can take from us the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. We are eternally His. And so because we are eternally His, He has promised we're going to endure to the end. Where He's going to preserve us and He's going to persevere us. We're going to continue on to the end and we're going to continue by His grace continue faithful unto the end. He has promised that patient continuance of His people. He says here in Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 22, Ye shall be hated of all men for My name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. So he that endureth to the end shall be saved. In other words, it's going to be proven out. It's going to be proven out whether or not you make it to the end. Well, that's not to say that we have to make it to the end to prove our to, to, to be saved. That's not what he's saying. But if we are saved, we're going to make it to the end. It's, that's, that's how it's going to work. He's going to preserve us then. He's going to preserve us to the end that we will persevere. Romans 11. Romans 11 and verse number 22. Romans chapter number 11 and verse number 22. It says, Behold therefore the goodness and severity of God on them that fail 
severity. But toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. And so he says, in order to remain, you need to continue in his goodness. You need to continue to continue to persevere, continue to move forward, continue to grow in Him, continue to grow in knowledge of Him, continue to grow in holiness. We are to grow, we are to continue forward in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then in Philippians, we read, or I quoted part of it to you just a moment ago, Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6 there. Paul says, being confident... Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. So if he's if if you have the new birth, he's going to finish it. He's going to finish this work. And that, that means in order for him to finish that work. He's going to have to get us to the end. We have to persevere. We have, we have to continue forward. We have to be preserved unto the end. He is the one that keeps us. He is the one that brings us in. He's the one that's going to continue us until the end. That is His promise to do so for us. He will finish the work. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He will perform this good work that He's begun in us. He's going to finish it. He's going to bring it to pass until the day He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He will finish that work. And so by God's preservation, we will persevere to the end. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter number 5 and verse number 4. 1 John 5 and verse number 4. John says here, For whatsoever, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. That's a remarkable statement in the promise that we have in our Lord. Because everyone, if we've been saved any length of time at all, everyone else can look back and see our failures and see the times that we didn't overcome. Everyone else can look back at those times where it, where it seemed like the world overcame us, that we, didn't, we failed, we come up short. We didn't do what our Lord has called us to do. We were not faithful as we should be. We didn't serve Him as we ought. We gave sin a place, a foothold, in our, and we, we've seen that failure in us. We've seen that failure in our lives. Every one of us can look back and see those times and see those, those, those places in our lives. But it's not our works. It's not our works that gained our salvation. And it's not our works that keep our salvation. Praise God, it's not our works that give us the victory over this world. 
It is the works of our Lord. It's what He has done for us. It's what He has done in our stead. And so it says, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. It's a given. It's the reality. If we are have received that new birth, we have overcome the world. We have overcome whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Where does that faith come from? It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. He is the one that gives. It is in Him. It is in Him, in the finished work of our Lord, that we overcome. He will, He will persevere us unto the end. He will keep us. That's going to be seen. That's going to be seen in the heart of a child of God. There ain't nobody, nobody that's truly born again that gets to the end of their life and says, you know what, I just don't believe God any longer. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's... That's when you, even even in times of such turmoil and trouble and times of sickness and distress, that's when when you see the child of God declaring the most heartily, Christ, He is my Savior. That's when you see it most plainly. We will endure to the end. It is the promise. It is the promise of our Lord. Let's all stand. We'll be dismissed today.